Coming up on Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen. And a lot of people who have been victims, they feel shame. Oh, the, yes. You know, sexual abuse and the, the shame that comes with that and the devil wants you to believe it's your fault. But as you're saying, Lorraine, they can be healed from that. Yeah, absolutely. And memorizing scripture was huge for me because I had a wrong mindset. We were talking about mindset. I could, I could not embrace God's mindset because I had so much pain and shame up wow. there. In life, traumatic experiences can often lead to embarrassment, disgrace, and even shame. We all have regrets from decisions we've made. The good news is that no matter what you have experienced, you can overcome shame and live a life full of freedom and forgiveness. Number one, be naked without shame. Don't take your clothes off. I'm talking figuratively. Some of you are just waiting to get free in here this morning, but be naked. We can be who we really are. We, we, we don't have to hide. Jesus, let me say this. Jesus, when he came to this world, he had no problems with sinners. He had problems with dishonest religious people. You never see in the Bible Jesus having a problem with a person that, that was a sinner and was honest about it. But what Jesus had a problem with were people who tried to hide who they really were. Because Jesus has removed our shame, we can be who we really are and live in the light. This is 1 John 1, verse 5. This is the message which you, we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word isn't in us. And so not only have we sinned, we just live in a constant state of being less than we ought to be. You, you know, see, we should be here and we're here. You know the good news? Jesus made up the difference. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin so that we can be the righteousness of God in Christ. And what it means is, I don't have to, to play games. I don't have to pretend to be something I'm not. God loves me anyway. He loves me in my imperfections. He loves me anyway. He just wants me to get naked and to stop hiding from him. Can I tell you something, by the way? And let me just, don't shock anyone, but do you know that God can see through fig leaves? I mean, Adam and Eve put on fig leaves thinking that they were gonna fool God. God, God has x-ray vision. I've got some news for you this morning. He can see through everything. You can't hide from God. You can't hide from God. And he's saying to us, God exists in the light and in him there's no darkness at all. And if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with him and each other. But if we say we have no sin, we're lying and we're deceiving ourselves. Not only have I sinned, but I live in a constant state of not measuring up to God. I may measure up to other people, but I don't measure up to God. And he's fine with that. God can deal with that. This is the apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12. It's concerning a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was. Some people think it was an eye issue because of a comment that was made in the book of Galatians, maybe just a, a, a demon spirit, whatever. But he says in 2 Corinthians 12, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. 
And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You see, the apostle Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees raised to be a hypocrite, raised to be a pretender, to be this perfect religious person always performing. And something happened to him. It was a thorn in the flesh, and it was something that kept him from being the person that he wanted to be. And he went to God and said, God, take this thing away. And God said, sorry, Paul. You're just going to have to depend on my grace for my power is made perfect in your weakness. You can jump in his lap at the throne of grace and he can enjoy you with all your imperfections. You don't have to play games with God. He's a real God and he's okay with us. Isn't that good news? And when we need him the most, we deserve him the least. When I need him, I don't deserve him. When I deserve him, I don't need him. And that's exactly why Satan wants to put shame on us. Because when you're living in shame, you can't go to God. Here's what shame says. Get your act together, then you can talk to him. Well, I can't get my act together until I talk to him. When you're living in shame, you're living apart from God. There is no power in shame. There is no grace in shame. There is no freedom in shame. It's a prison that keeps us in the prison of our sins. And we cannot be set free until not just we're forgiven, but the shame goes away and we understand it's gone. God removes it from our lives and he's okay with us. There's no reproach there. There's no fear there. Remember Adam and Eve hid because they were fearful of God. You don't have to fear God. He loves you just the way you are right now. Second step of being free from shame is take responsibility for your behavior and don't blame other people. Get honest, get naked before God. And, and the people close around you, stop pretending. And the second thing is take responsibility for your behavior. Adam and Eve hid themselves with fig leaves. And then God walked up to them and said, Adam, what is this that you've done? Here's what Adam said. Eve, Eve made me do it. It's that men still say it all the time right now. It's that woman that you gave me. She's my problem. And then God went to Eve and said, Eve, what is this that you've done? She said, the devil made me do it. Okay, now, now listen to me. This is an important principle. They were both telling the truth. Eve was the one that talked to the devil first, and she was the one that ate first and then gave the apple to Adam. But Adam was a big boy. He didn't have to eat. Even though Eve did all those things, it wasn't her fault. It was his fault. And then Eve told the truth too. The devil did tempt her. The devil was party to her eating that fruit. The only problem was she was still responsible for, for her actions. Now, now listen to me. If you don't take responsibility for your behavior and trust Jesus to forgive you and remove the shame, you will find a scapegoat and it will not work. God did not accept Eve as Adam's scapegoat. See, Adam turned and confessed his sins over Eve and made her bear him. And Eve turned and laid her hands on the devil, tried to make him bear him. Many people go through life and their parents are their scapegoat. Yeah, I know I messed up, but you should have seen my parents. They did this to me. Your brothers and sisters are your scapegoat. Your friends, your principal, your church you came out of, your, the government. Some, you lay your hands. Every, every time someone asks you about the problems that you have, you're very open about confessing your problems. 
But the problem is when it comes to taking responsibility, you lay hands on your husband, you lay hands on your wife, you lay hands on your parents, you lay hands on the government and you confess your sins over them and you think that someone is going to accept that. God doesn't accept it. Regardless of what life has done to us, we can rise above our circumstances and do better than people did to us. The government is not my problem. My parents are not my problem. Sin is my problem, and God will help me if I'll take responsibility for what I'm doing right now. The only scapegoat that God recognizes is Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's the only one. And he will not bear our sins until we take responsibility and get honest about our behavior. Number three, believe you are forgiven and that the sin and shame have been removed by Jesus. How do you know that you're forgiven of your sins? Well, I just have to put faith in the Bible. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word confess there is the Greek word homo Two words, homo, H-O-M-O, means same, and legeo means word, same word. If we will just say what God is saying about our behavior, if we'll just tell the truth about our behavior, He'll take away our sins. I believe that by faith, that he's taken away my sin. And then here's what Psalm 103 says. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Aren't you glad? Slow to anger. Aren't you glad? And abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we're but dust. Isn't that a wonderful scripture? As far as the east is from the west. Now let me tell you the ability that God has that we don't have. He has the ability to forget. As people, we remember things. And when someone does something to us, we can forgive that person, but we still remember. God can forget as far as the east is from the west, he removes our sin. The shame is completely gone. And here's what this means. When we come to God and we confess our sins and take responsibility for our behavior and say, God, I've done this and this and this and this and this. And I, I know that it's wrong. And I know that it's affected our relationship because I've taken too long to, to get honest and to repent of my sins. And Lord, I pray that you would forgive me. God says, I do forgive you. By the blood of my son, you're forgiven. And not only are you forgiven, but I put it away as far as the east is from the west. In the next moment of time, you say, well, Lord, let me talk to you about that sin. The Lord says, what sin? I don't know what you're talking about. My relationship with you is, I don't remember any of that. For all of eternity, it's gone forever. His behavior to you is just like a person who completely forgot what you did. You're favored, you're loved. You don't have to carry the shame. The opposite of that is someone who never forgets and never lets you forget. And every time you do something wrong, they say, remember? That's what the devil comes and does. Remember? Remember your moral failure? Remember your abortion? Remember when you stole that thing? Remember your divorce? Remember what you did? Remember what you said? And he wants you to go back and constantly have to graze through all the Problems of your past. 
And that's not the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God, when it's forgiven, it's forgotten, and He never remembers it again for all of eternity. It's never brought back up. Somebody say amen. You know, you can overcome any issue in life through the power of Jesus Christ. I love telling people that, and that's something that Karen and I both have experienced in our own lives, is nothing is impossible with God. In every every issue that we face in life, God is bigger than our giants. He's bigger than our mountains. He's bigger than our problems. And you can overcome. You know, we want to get this information into your hands because what you're seeing today is just a very small part of an eight-part series of messages on the overcoming life that we have on CD and DVD. For your gift right now of any amount to support us here at Marriage Today, we want to put the booklet into your hands. It's a mindset-free, powerful, powerful booklet to help you overcome worry, fear, sexual temptations, all kinds of things that that get into our minds, hurts from our past, any issue that is in your mind that you want to overcome. This little book will really help you to do that. We'll send it to you for your gift of any amount to marriage today. For your gift of $45 or more, we're going to give you the full eight-part CD series of The Overcoming Life, along with the booklet of Mindset Free. For your gift of $80 or more, we're going to give you the DVD series along with the booklet of Mindset Free. And so this this is a powerful resource. And again, you just saw a little bit on today's program, but the full eight-part series on overcoming fear and discouragement and overcoming, you know, all these different issues in life that, that hit all of us, it can be yours. Really, it can change your life, honestly. And there may be somebody that you care about that you want to listen to them or watch them yourself and also to give them to somebody else. We would love to get these resources into your hands. Here, here's how you can get them. Today we've been talking about how to overcome shame. We're excited to have two very special guests who help women embrace God's perspective of sex. Welcome with me, authors and conference speakers, Linda Dello and Lorraine Pintus. Ladies, good to have you with us today. So we're talking about this issue of shame, huge issue. Uh, and I think, you know, men and women both deal with shame, uh, but related to sexuality and just kind of related to life. This is something that a lot of women uh, really deal with. So we got some questions from our viewers. Karen's going to begin. I do. Uh, from your experience, what is the right mindset a woman should have about her sexuality in marriage? It's God's mindset. Mm. And, you know, God puts his blessing on a couple's sexual mm-hmm. intimacy in the Song of Solomon, the beginning of chapter five, right after they've consummated their marriage. Mm-hmm. And another presence is in the room, and it's as if God walks over to the bridal bed and puts his hand out mm-hmm. and just says, eat, friends, drink, and imbibe deeply, O lovers. And that word in the Hebrew there means feast. Mm-hmm. You know, feast on your lovemaking. God is for it. Mm-hmm. And that's what he wants in a woman's mindset is for her to see that God is delighted for them to enjoy their intimacy. That's good. And, you know, God gives permission for passion, mm-hmm. but a lot of times women don't give themselves yeah. permission. Yeah. And I think it's because, well, the word mindset comes from a Greek word, which means a collection of individual thoughts that over a period of time influence how you perceive life. Mm. So all of us have a mindset about sexuality, but it kind of depends on what our collection of experience have been over the whole course of our lives. And for a lot of women, it's, bad. it's not a, been a good experience. So they don't have a good mindset. It's, it's, I, I think that's one of the greatest challenges for women is, is the feeling that, because women are, I think, more naturally spiritual than men, honestly. 
Um, and I think a lot of women think that if I'm really, really sexual, that means I can't be really, really a woman of God. Yeah. Don't you think that's true? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> One woman came up to us at a conference and she said, Linda, we have a picture of Jesus over our bed. And every time we make love, I turn it around. <laughs> and I said, well, that's really going to keep God from knowing. <laughs> I put the picture in another room. Yeah, but that's um, a woman's mind is divided. It's like yeah. spirituality and sexuality can't go together. But God brings them together in the word. And he's the one we're supposed to listen to. You bet. And, and to go back to you can be a very deeply spiritual person, a woman of God and a man of God and, and sexual. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's not mutually exclusive. Okay, here's another question. It says, if a woman, and this is, this is a big one now. If a woman has had trauma like an abortion or even rape, how can she find healing and overcome that shame? Mm-hmm. You know, that, I, I'm going to answer that one a little bit personally because I was almost raped when I was 16, and that brought so much shame on me. It was like these blankets of shame, and then I made bad decisions and ended up getting an abortion. So I was a Christian woman, and I loved God, but I had so much heaviness in this area of my life. And truly, it was being in the Word mm-hmm. of God, memorizing Scripture, getting His Word in my heart, and and being honest about what my sin was, confessing it and allowing him to wash that. And I can say I am 100% healed today, but it took time. (laughs) I mean, it took time. And you know, it was hard, but God, God did it. Yeah. You know, I feel like the enemy has sold the church a lie. Mm -hmm. He said, well, when you come to Christ, there are these areas of your life that can be healed, but there's one area beyond Christ's redemptive healing power, and that's your sexuality. Mm-hmm. And that is a lie from the pit. You bet it is. Because he is the redeemer. He is the healer. And if we be, if we really believe that and cry out to him, um, any of the wrong decisions, any of horrible abuse that's been done, I mean, there's so much pain mm-hmm. and so much evil out there, mm-hmm. but he is the one who can heal it. Yeah, he forgives That's and good. heals. He does and, and a lot of people who have been victims, they feel shame. Oh, the, yes. You know, sexual abuse, I know that, you know, statistically, they say that about half of all women have been sexually That's abused right. before they become an adult. Mm-hmm. And the, the shame that comes with that, and the devil wants you to believe it's your fault, but as you're saying, mm-hmm. Lorraine, they can be healed from that. Yeah, absolutely. And memorizing scripture was huge for me because I had a wrong mindset. We were talking about mindset. I could I could not embrace God's mindset because I had so much pain and shame up wow. here. And it, it took memorizing scripture and getting that in there and seeing that God gives permission for passion. He puts his mm-hmm. blessing, as you said, right. on that marital union yeah. and finally letting go, you know, forgiving myself. for yeah. I remember one woman who had been horribly abused her whole life by many, many, many people and maybe one of the most wounded women I've ever seen. And she went to God and said, I want to be different. I want to have a different mindset. And we saw her two years later. She looked different. Uh And she said to us, I'm married. And our wedding night was beautiful. And Jesus was right there between us. I mean, that's healing. That is, to me, as much of a healing as Mm -hmm. if someone was healed of cancer. But God is the healer, and he can do that. Well, I, I, you know, the Karen's testimony and, 
but when we got married, she had shame and pain and all all different kinds of it wasn't issues. Wasn't so much sexual, but it was just the beating down from verbal abuse. And but the, the word of God heals Shame, her. shame. Yeah, yeah doesn't matter it, where it does, comes it, from. The same results. Mm-hmm. Sure. How can a woman help her husband understand the shame that she feels about her own body when he looks at other women? Mm. Well, she could like just slap him upside <laughs> of the face. I, know. I mean, I know, she like, like, no, I always say, have you ever seen Brad Pitt? <laughs> <laughs> That's another way to deal with it. But, you know, the truth is that a woman feels almost assaulted. She feels oh, yeah. like she's she been hit. Yeah. And punched when a guy yeah. looks at another, mm-hmm. you know, another woman when he's you know, and his I, life. I counseled a, a lady last year. I was in a conference and mm-hmm. she walked up to me and she said that her husband, and they've been married for a long time, that he just doesn't even hide it. Yeah. That oh. he just, you know, when an attractive woman yeah. walks by, he just, and it just overwhelms and her. And that always yeah. embarrasses me when a man does that. It does. When it I see another husband too. doing yeah. that to oh. him, I'm like, yeah. oh. But, yeah. you know, I have to say, as much as Jimmy was a, says he's a jerk, you know, the number one thing he always did right consistently, didn't matter if I was overweight or not, he never, ever criticized my body, mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would be wang, wang, wang about how I hated it. I, I'm yeah. fat. And, then he, and he was always, you know, yeah. building me up. And he's he's always done that 100% perfect, I have to say. Well, I, I, this is my little saying, and that is I won't compare my wife's body to any woman who hasn't paid the price to bear my children. And I think it's ridiculous yeah. for men to look at a younger woman or the, you know, airbrushed photo of this unrealistic kind of thing and compare that to his wife. It is a ridiculous part of our society. We're going to be back in just a minute with Linda and Lorraine, but what a, what a powerful uh, time we're having here talking about this issue of shame. And I know a lot of you are dealing with this. We want to go right now and we're going to tell you about a special resource that we have for our partners of marriage today. Marriage is something that you need to be investing in, your own marriage. And we're asking you to invest in your marriage as you help us to reach marriages and families across America and all over the world. And we have a special resource for our partners. Our partners are called Rock Solid Partners. And we have a special resource that we send to our partners every single month. We want you to partner with us here at Marriage Today. Here's how you can do it. Welcome back. We have another question for Linda and Lorraine. Okay, girls. I'm sure everyone watching has thought of some people that have caused them shame. How do we forgive the people who have brought shame to our lives? I think about a woman who, whose husband brought her shame because of his affair, what we talked about earlier. And um, she just said, I think I've forgiven him, but then it just comes back and comes back. And so what the Lord led her to do was to buy a bottle of anointing oil. And she asked him to take all of his clothes off and started at the top of his head and said, I forgive you for thinking thoughts of her. She anointed his eyes and said, I forgive you for looking at her. I forgive you for hearing her speak. I forgive you for speaking to her. And she went down her whole body and ended on her knees weeping. And he fell to his knees weeping. And she said, there was a stake in the ground that I couldn't take out, and it was the beginning of a new relationship. Mm. I was sharing that at a conference, and a woman wrote me later and said, I wish I had done what that woman had done. I felt such shame, and my husband said, won't you forgive me? Mm-hmm. And I said, I can't. 
And so this woman, even though they were no longer married, mm-hmm. went to her husband and anointed his head and said, it's time I forgive you. Wow. And she said, but then we got in separate cars and left, and I wish I could have done what the other woman did. But yeah. sometimes we hold on to shame instead of really saying, mm-hmm. God, show me how to offer forgiveness. Right. So we we talk a lot about that a good marriage is the union of two good forgivers and having forgiveness really mm-hmm. being a part of your marriage all the time. And we yeah. have something in our house called a forgiveness cup. And the idea is that if we've done something to offend the other person, we fill it up with something to drink, you know, hopefully not poison, you know, <laughs> but you fill it up with something to drink and then you take it to him. And like, for instance, if I've done something to offend Peter, I would take it to him and, and I'd say, honey, I'm very sorry for being disrespectful to to you. I'm sorry for my tone of voice and list it and then say, will you please forgive me? And if he accepts my forgiveness, then he'll drink from mm. the cup. He drinks it down inside. Him. And yeah, mm. so it's like he takes it in. And so we've talked about this and this one couple, um, they, they have a forgiveness cup. And one time they were having this big fight and their five-year-old comes running in with the forgiveness cup and goes, mommy, daddy, do you need this? Yeah. Yeah, because their kids learned it yeah. as well. That and So you're passing on. Yeah. You don't just forgive. say, well, it's, oh, it's I'm tangible. sorry. Yeah. It's yeah. a tangible way of expressing it. And, and it makes forgiveness like a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something meaningful. So well, true. ladies, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sorry that we're out of time, but we're going to put on the screen your information. Because you you have such terrific resources uh, for women and for women in the area of sexuality, in the area of shame, in the area of marriage and all that. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we want to thank you for joining us, too. We hope that this program has been a blessing to you. You know, the Lord can deliver you out of any circumstance. and, And you've heard some great advice here today and truth about how you can deal with shame. We want you to come back next time for more of Marriage Today. God bless you. Goodbye.